Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Hello and welcome to Childproof by Betches Media. I'm Tori Phantom. And I'm Gwena Lathland. This podcast is dedicated to parents who hide snacks in the freezer behind the broccoli so you kids can't find them. Yeah, my kid found my true fruit and I'm really sad about it. But my kids have not found the bag of snacks in my closet. Nice. So you win some, you lose some. My Reese's <laughs> are still safe in the box of jalapeno poppers. Uh, but... Frozen Reese's are next level anyway. Uh, let's go ahead and do the thing that everyone hates, but we as human beings absolutely need. Let's start the timer. So the other day, Gwenna and I were doing a live stream, as we do. It's On the Tiki Talk. It's a public FaceTime, really. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And uh, just we keep our kids off camera. Right, right. It's it's the same thing. We just have to talk in code sometimes like around our kids we might, you know. Anyway. <laughs> As we're talking, we answer a lot of questions about parenting and life whatever on these live streams and someone had commented and they had said, "I don't always agree with your parenting videos." but I do like a lot of it. And I don't think Gwenna and I talk enough about how that is the point. Yeah, exactly. We we are not parenting experts. Just because we're describing things that work for us does not mean that it's the only answer or even the correct answer. It's just what's working for us. And, and that's the thing I think we both do in the content we create. And even in this podcast, we are mm-hmm. never trying to put ourselves in this authority of parenting expert where we're like, this is how you do it. And if you don't, you're wrong. You're a bad parent. No, what we both like to do is to just share what works for us because maybe it would work for you too. And we find this, I mean, I've seen it in other parenting creators where they're talking about something that worked for them. And I'm like, oh, that would work for my family too. And I and I love that sharing of our experiences, the sharing of our ideas. I feel like that is so important. And so if you are listening to us and you're like, yeah, usually I agree with you, but not this time. Like we, it's okay. We don't have an expectation that you're going to think everything we say is perfect. Yeah. We, we want you to ask good questions. And if the only thing that our content or our podcast or our very existence in digital spaces does is make you stop and go, why did they say it like that? I disagree. Here's why I disagree. Excellent. This is what we're aiming for. If we are think points, excellent. If you agree with us, fantastic. Maybe, maybe you got a, a thing that's going to make your life easier or better or enhance your relationship with your kids. And sometimes I share an idea and someone is like, yeah, I agree. And also, and I'm like, yes. Like, I think when we share parenting ideas, a lot of that is a point of reflection. Because if I don't agree, I am now going to think, 
Why don't I agree? Where am I coming from? Is my perspective the right one? Even if I don't think yours is correct, is mine correct? Let me let me reflect on that and see if I want to make a shift on this topic or if I feel confident in what I'm doing. See, and I can't I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. A good chunk of what I do on the podcast, on my content is I am explaining my own thinky thoughts. Essentially, I have overthought this so hard that I came up with what sounds like a concept. And I share that because maybe someone else hasn't gotten to the point that they've overthought this. Right. I literally, <laughs> like I say that I overthink so much, right? It's a hobby. I either <laughs> overthink myself into enlightenment or anxiety. And it's it's usually anxiety, but the the good ones I share. Yeah. <laughs> and And so I feel it's important to to note that Tori and I diverge in a lot of places. Tori texted me a picture of them in their bed with a child draped over them. And they were like, I wish this child would go to their own bed. And I texted back. I was like, I'd just be mean to him and kick him out. (laughs) Which is not a thing Tori would do. I I I wouldn't be cruel, but I'd be like, you have a bed. Let's go That is a hard boundary for Gwenna. And it always has been. Bed sharing and co-sleeping, not a thing I'm capable of. Co-sleeping, bed sharing, while it isn't my favorite, has saved my sanity because without enough sleep, I really struggle. And so if the only way for me to get enough sleep is to allow a small bony child's elbow to be in my ribs while I'm sleeping, I'm going to let that happen because for me, that is, you know, the pros and cons. I would rather just have the child sleep in my bed than have to get up three times to bring them back to theirs. See, and I feel it is vitally important for everybody to sleep independently. Now, this removes like when we're sick, when we're not feeling good. If it's like, uh, as we record this, it has been around the 4th of July time uh, where we live, lots of fireworks popping off. So we've had some visitors, some cuddles, and then we go back to bed. So it's not like I'm like, no, fuck you, go to bed. I don't right. care. And and I remember like when my kids were much smaller and I would hear from folks like, you can't just let them come to your bed because they're never going to learn to sleep on their own. And like they have, for the most part, I don't have a child in my bed anymore. But like even my oldest kid, if she has a bad dream or if there's fireworks popping off all night and she's feeling nervous, she will come to my room and say, can I just have a hug? I need some comfort. I'm feeling nervous. And I give her a hug and we'll have a drink of water. And then she goes back to her bed. She doesn't want to sleep in my bed. And so that independence is there, but it's also like, yeah, there's room in my bed. I'd sleep. I sleep in a little ball on the edge of the bed. There's a whole rest of the bed. So we're good. (laughs) But here's the thing is I am not right. Tori is not wrong. Yeah. Like there, there's, there, there's do what works for you in these situations kind of things. So even though we approach this situation differently, we are allowed to disagree and still both be good parents. Yes. Yes. Because it's not even that we're disagreeing as much as I wouldn't do it that way. Yeah. And I wouldn't do it your way. That's not how I look at this situation. That's not how I would think about that because we are different people with different experiences and different triggers, different children, different things that are, there's so many different factors going into the way that we're parenting that there's not a, there's not a black and white, right and wrong. I think parenting itself exists in a gray area. Yeah. And speaking of gray area, one of the grayest areas I think exist on the internet right now is the idea of telling your kid you're okay. 
Yeah, I've heard a lot of discourse on that. A <laughs> lot of discourse. A lot, a lot of of people that I respect that I agree with a lot of the times mm-hmm. saying, if you tell your kid you're okay, that can be dismissive. And I don't think that's wrong, but I don't think it's all the way right yes, either. Absolutely agree. And that's a thing that I've thought when I see this type of video is that it's typically presented in a blanket statement. You should not, if your kid is upset, you should not say you're okay because you are making them doubt themselves because if they're upset, they're clearly not okay. So telling them they're okay is going to confuse them or it's going to cause harm because we're dismissing their feelings. And I think that can be true based on the situation, based on the tone we're using, based on what happens next. But I think that saying it's okay is okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of nuance in the conversation. Uh, Mayim Bilek even went on a podcast and was talking about how dismissive you're okay can sound. And I get that. I understand. But honestly, sometimes they really are okay. They're just having big feelings about it. And they're not good at that self-assessment of I'm upset, but okay. Because both of those things can be true at the same time. Yes. And that's why... I think it's important that we talk about this and add some nuance because I think sometimes when you're in a scroll hole and you see a couple of videos that are all saying the same thing, like it is not okay to say it's okay to your kid. And then you kind of end up in that mom shame realm and you're like, I'm an awful parent because my kid stubbed their toe and I said, you're okay. And I shouldn't have done that. And it's like, your kid probably was okay when they stubbed their toe though. Like the context matters. (laughs) And So, and I think especially when we're talking about a stubbed toe, a scraped knee, whatever the case may be, a little boo-boo. And especially when we're talking about like maybe kinder age and younger, I'll say like six and under. When your kid gets hurt in a situation like that, it is not just crying over pain, right? Because that's what we're reacting to a lot of times is that, that we're like, oh no, you're okay. But it's also, it's a shock to their system. It's a shock to their system. They are probably more afraid than they are hurt because I was just walking and now I'm on the ground Yeah, and my knee is bleeding a little. We say in our house, you hurt your feelings more than you hurt your body. Huh. That's that's the thing that, that comes out a lot, especially when it's, you know, there's no blood, no break, no bruise. It's just owie because you hit you hit your funny bone. And it's not funny to hit your funny bone. And that really stings. I'm a grown adult and it makes my eyes water when I hit my funny bone. Yeah. It's not funny. Right. Well, it's funny for everyone who saw it happen, but not when it comes to kids. Like it's different with kids. (laughs) So we say you hurt your feelings more than you hurt your body. And and you're okay. (laughs) The other day we went out to lunch and after lunch, we're walking on the sidewalk back to like the parking lot we were in. And my littlest lady... Uh, she's, she's my kid. So she's not coordinated. Grace, Grace is not a genetic trait. Yeah. When, when I was a kid, my mom used to say, wow, those ballet lessons are really paying off. (laughs) I just fell a lot. Okay. (laughs) And nothing's changed, changed. but so my kids get that for me, uh, poor things. But so my kid is walking and flat out, just, you know, immediate, just, just walking and is now flat down on the pavement. And I saw it happen. I actually scooped her before she started to cry, right? I was right there. And so I scooped her and she starts to cry. Now she had scraped both knees. 
Mm-hmm. And she she did the thing with the palms of your hands where you kind of hit hard. And so she's upset. She's crying. So I scoop her up. I'm holding her and I'm patting her back and I'm going, it's okay. You're okay. It's okay. You're mm-hmm. okay. And that is not dismissive. Number one, that is also comforting myself because my kid is hurt and it's frightening yeah. to see your kid get hurt. And I did an inventory of her and I'm like, okay, there's a scrape knee. There's not like, like she is okay. She's not yeah. broken. Yeah. You are okay. And I'm telling myself like my little, okay. little bit of leaking, yeah. but not bad. Right. Not bad. And it's, it's okay. You're okay. But that's the beginning of the conversation, right? Because if, if I just, if she fell and I was just like, ah, uh, you're okay. Like that, that would be really dismissive. But she was upset. I was comforting her. And then so in, in those moments, I'm not sitting there feeding into like, oh, my goodness, your knee is scraped and you're bleeding. And no, like because she is OK. It is scary. But I'm saying I'm, I'm trying to distract now. And I start to ask her, it's OK. You're OK. Hey, hey, what color is it? What color is the owie? Does it hurt? Does it hurt blue? And she's still crying. I said, oh, not blue then. OK, does it hurt? As that sounds green to me. It sounds like that hurts green, you know? Yeah. And it's a redirect. It's you a redirect. And while I'm doing that, eventually she starts to giggle because I'm like, is it the color seven? You know, and and by doing that, because it's it's helping to regulate her because in that moment, physically she's okay. Emotionally, yeah, she's having a really hard time, but we're gonna be okay really quick. And and so that's more of it it is a comfort. It is compassion to say, like, you're you're okay. Like we're gonna be okay here. Yeah. Well, see, and that's that's the thing is one of the things that we have to teach our kids, self-awareness, that self-inventory to go, okay, it hurts, but it's not broken. And then the self-regulation to, you know, that family guy joke, ah, ah, ah. like I, I can take that self-inventory in milliseconds most of the time, but I have 38 years of practice taking this self-inventory and going, Okay, it hurts. I'm I'm pissed off about it. I hurt my feelings or I'm embarrassed or I scared the bejesus out of myself because I did the thing and the chair tipped back and my life flashed before my eyes. But I'm okay. I have 38 years of practice doing the self-inventory. All of those things are learned skills. Sometimes they're passively learned. No one taught me how to take inventory of my own body and decide whether I need medical attention. I need you know, Advil, or if I'm really fine and I'll just shake it off and move on. No one taught me how to do that, but it's still a learned skill through the passage of time. Self-awareness and self-regulation are active taught skills. I know adults who cannot do this. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But that that is true because it's that moment of, I mean, I remember one time just when my oldest kid was a baby, I was walking, she's in a stroller and I'm walking into this park and the park had like a little hill. And you remember a few minutes ago when I said that my kid, gets <laughs> she gets it from me. You remember that? So I was walking and I fell <laughs> and the, the stroller, thankfully, I, I held on to it. So the, the stroller didn't tip, but I went down and I scraped my knee right up. And it was like, oh, and I got up and I walked it off and it hurt. But it's like in that moment, like I, I went through everything like, yeah, like I, I'm going to have a scab. Yeah, that's kind of embarrassing because this park had a lot of people and I just I just wiped out just walking down yeah. a hill. That was hard for me. And uh, but it, it was that moment where I'm like, yeah, I am OK. But you can process it so quickly. And our kids, it takes time to, to help them process. And that's the color thing that I say to my kid when she's hurt is that's a part of that regulation because she is now moving her brain somewhere else. She's thinking like she is in pain. That's why I don't say we're not going to talk about the pain at all. But 
think about it. Because the more, when you're thinking about it and when you're slowing your breathing, it doesn't hurt as much. You have a second to go, oh, what color is it? Well, and you've got a second, a second for your nervous system to actually kick in and start doing that thing that makes the pain go away, yeah. um, that makes the pain fade. Your immune system starts working. I always tell them when my kids get upset, or like if it's they're they're they got a boo boo or they're you know they spilled the milk, right? And I tell them, let's slow down. That's always like my first go to. Let's slow down because when we slow down our breathing our body feels better. It's science, right? We love science. So I could say like, we got to slow down and that's the first step towards regulation. And then once they're calmed down, then we can actually assess the situation because when my kid first scrapes her knee, I'm not going to sit down on the pavement and immediately start looking at it. No, I'm going to comfort her, help her regulate those feelings. And then we're going to look to me to, to check it out. So my kid has entered this new existence of personhood where she really yes. cares about her clothes. Mm -hmm. I found a solution where I'm getting higher quality items that are also affordable. Quince. Like they have they have such great quality stuff. They have so many options like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash childproof for free shipping on your order in 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash childproof to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash childproof. Do your kids ever steal toys from each other? Obviously. Do your kids ever steal each other's KiwiCo boxes? They don't steal them, but... They do sometimes get in heated debates over who gets which one. Over who gets what? Yeah. KiwiCo is a subscription service that sends kids crates packed with engaging hands-on activities designed to introduce them to science, technology, and art concepts. KiwiCo sent my youngest daughter a box to build her own ukulele. Yeah, my kids are taking shifts with their KiwiCo light box art kit. And KiwiCo delivers seriously fun learning for kids of all ages through hands-on projects and activities. With nine monthly programs to choose from, KiwiCo has something for kids of all ages, ranging from infants and preschoolers to teens and beyond. Discover real science, technology, engineering, art, and math concepts through fun hands-on projects delivered to your door every month. Each crate is designed by real experts and tested by kids to ensure that every experience is age-appropriate, engaging, and seriously fun. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month on any crate line at KiwiCo.com with promo code CHILDPROOF. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code CHILDPROOF. Here's the other thing with your okay is there is more than one person in that equation. When your kid falls down all of a sudden and starts screaming bloody murder, your instinct is to react. So you mm -hmm. have to assess the situation. What just happened? What did I miss? Is there a greater danger that caused my child to fall over? Or is it just because it's my child and they fall over? How bad are they bleeding? You know, is this one of those superficial wounds that just gushes and gushes, but isn't that deep? Or like, 
are, are, we, are we looking at needing stitches? Are we looking at needing, like all of those things have to happen for a parent in the same time. So sometimes the you're okay is a regulation for both people. You are okay. It's okay that you felt pain. It's okay that you fell down. It's okay that you're scared. You're okay. I'm okay. You are not dying. You have not snapped your leg off at the hip. You like, n- no one pushed you over. I don't have to fight someone. <laughs> like, I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Sometimes that is a two-way street of regulation. And I think it's also important to add in that saying you're okay is not saying you should be fine. Yes. There is a, I think there's a difference because it's not like saying, well, you should just be happy. That's not a big deal. Get over it. It's not saying get over it. It's just confirming that we're, we're good. We're still in one piece. It's teaching them that self-assessment that I can now do automatically. They kind of need the framework of, okay, this thing happened. I'm upset. I'm having a big feeling. Maybe there's some pain. Maybe there's some discomfort. Maybe I'm stressed, but I'm okay. Like they have to learn the ability to do that self-assessment and they do it first by watching us do it on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, if you ask a kid who is clearly upset if they are, are you okay? Of course, they're going to say no, because that's what the internet would have you do. Instead of saying you're okay, they just want a a little two-word switch. Are you okay? If you ask them that, of course, they're going to say they're not okay. That's what the crying and screaming was communicating. (laughs) They don't think they're okay. Yeah, yeah. They really don't feel okay. That doesn't mean they aren't actually okay. Kids are fantastic at feeling feelings. They excel at that. Their little brains are primed and wired to feel all the feelings. They aren't good at appropriate levels of feelings or emotional reactions yet. That's That takes some time to master. And here's the thing, too, is that the way that communication works in my house, mm-hmm. my kids will not hesitate to tell me how they really feel. <laughs> Okay. Like they're, they're not gonna, they're not holding back. There is no fear that mom is going to react poorly. If they're upset with something I did or said, I'm going to know, and I'm going to know now they're not necessarily going to be rude about it. Typically they're not. But I mean, my littlest lady just the other day came to me and was like, mom, I think that the way you told me to do that wasn't very nice. Yeah. And and in that moment, like I'm in my head, right? Because I know she was just avoiding the thing I asked her to do. And this was another <laughs> piece of that. But I also recognized that if she came to me with that, like maybe I could have been kinder. And so I did apologize. And then we went back and revisited that. But if I tell my kid, if I say, you're okay. And they say, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Like, l- let's talk about it then. Because then again, that's just a different conversation. But if they say, I am not okay. I believe that. I believe them. See, and I will use, if you're okay, no, I'm not. That's a bridge point for a conversation for us. Tell me why you think you're not okay. This doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with you that you're not okay. This doesn't necessarily change the reality of the situation, but I I want you to be able to reason through why do you feel not okay? Okay, here's why. I don't think, I, I think maybe you're seeing it from a different perspective and I don't know that you've got all the data, you know, essentially without being a dick about it, because I can say in an adult space, 
okay, tell me why you're not okay. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. (laughs) That's not what you would say to a child. That's not what I would (laughs) say to a child, but it's the idea of, okay, tell me why you think this, tell me how you got there. And then let's sort of deconstruct what all happened to lead you to this point. See, and that's a place where you and I would not operate in the same level there. Yeah. Because if my kid says, well, I'm not okay, I'm not going to say like, I think you still are. And and I know that's not what you said. (laughs) No, yeah, Yeah, right, right. But for me, it's, my response in that moment is, how do we get you back to okay then? Okay. Like, what yeah. do you think would help you right now? Like, what do you need to be okay? And again, both of us are not right or wrong. We know our kids and we know how we are. And the tone that we use also impacts how all of these conversations go. And I think that's an, it's such an important piece to add into the equation. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to listen to why they're not okay. And we can discuss why they're still okay why they have a good point and they really aren't okay. And I would I would wager most of the time if we are having a complete meltdown over not even a scraped knee, a bumped knee, we haven't even broken skin. It just real, it really, really hurts. I'm going to assume if you feel you're not okay over that moment, this is a straw that broke the camel's back. This was the moment where everything that's gone wrong previously in, previously in your day just piled on and now you're breaking down. Okay, so you're not okay. Your knee is okay. What happened here is okay. But you're right. You're not okay because you've had all of these things that in your world have crashed down around you. Mm -hmm. And while as an adult, I may look at that, oh, you lost your favorite book. You couldn't wear your sweater. Your shoe was wet. And now we're crying about it. My adult brain goes, those are all stupid reasons to be not okay. But my parent brain goes, you're you're right. You're not okay. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for you. With an adult brain, like sometimes that same amount of things would make me not okay. You know what I mean? Like we all have a day where it's just everything is too much and the little things added up and now I'm a mess. Right, right. (laughs) I'll tell you what, getting a wet sock early in the morning because my dog piddled or my kids dropped something on the floor, that will prime me for a terrible day, the wet sock. I don't know. I go outside in my socks when it's dewy and I'm like, I got wet socks now. I'll just change them. We cannot be friends anymore. Oh my God. I'm just crying. I am not okay. I just, I change my socks a couple times a day, but I am not okay. I am not okay. (laughs) You are okay. (laughs) Fine. We're going to get through this. (laughs) But it is funny too, because sometimes, and, and again, this comes back to that regulation piece with the kids, is that sometimes they do have a very poor judgment on how they're doing. Like my littlest lady wears glasses. And the other day she's in her room and I am in the kitchen and she runs out to the kitchen sobbing. <laughs> am I bleeding? Uh, are you? What, what, what do you think is bleeding? What is like, I don't see any, anything, nothing is wrong visually looking at the child. And I'm like, what, what is what bleeding, babe? Like what, what is going on? Right. Cause she's upset now. I'm like on high alert. And she says that she went to push her glasses back up on her face because they were falling down her nose and she did it too hard. And she whacked her glasses into the bridge of her nose. And, and she didn't even scrape it. She just, ba- like, have you done, I've done that yes, where you kind of like bang your, the, the glasses into the bridge of your nose real hard. Yeah. And that's what she did. And because it hurt, she's like, I must be bleeding. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you're, you're not bleeding, sweetie. Like, you're, you're okay. okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. Uh, probably don't punch yourself in the face to push up your glasses. Like, you know, uh, but again, that was just her reaction because it hurt. And so she's like, something must seriously be wrong. And she came to me 
for the comfort of being told it's okay. You're okay. So there is a really fine line. And I think this is where this discourse starts because, and, and we sort of touched on it earlier, there is a really fine line between teaching emotional awareness and teaching them how to do that self-assessment of you're okay. You can be upset and be okay. You can be hurt and be okay. And there being sort of an emotional dystopia where you're constantly walking on eggshells, like, am I going to be the reason my kid has trauma? I can't say it this way because that's traumatizing. And I can't say it this way because that's abusive. And I can't say it this way because because this one chick on the internet made me feel bad about it one time right after I'd said it. <laughs> like <laughs> there there's this there's this fine line because there really are points that your kids are not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing too. I don't think either of us would ever say it if we can look at our kid and very quickly assess, "Oh no, they're not okay." I'm not like that's not a thing that's going to come out of my mouth. Even if I would assess as this is minor, they are not okay about it. That's really what we're saying in this is that your okay is really reserved for minor things. Yeah. It is not meant for the the kid's arm is broken. Like it's not meant to bend that way. That's right. not okay. That's, that's, not, that's okay. not okay. But <laughs> there is a time like my kid coming to me, am I bleeding, right? Like she was coming to me for my judgment on her situation because she trusts my judgment. She trusts that I'm going to be able to discern for her because she was scared because it hurt and she hasn't felt pain in the bridge of her nose before. She wanted my opinion on this and I was able to tell her like, no, it's okay. And she relaxed. It was helpful in that moment. Yeah. Well, and there are times that it it seems when when we're talking about larger things, especially larger emotional things, that's where it starts to get really, I'm feeling a thing. And so to hear someone say, you're okay, that is dismissive. I do not disagree that there are times if the family puppy has just crossed over the rainbow bridge, you're not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. If you're having to have the hard conversation that uh, grandma is sick or has passed, or you're not okay. That's it's okay to not be okay. And it would feel very dismissive if we're crying that Fluffy crossed over the rainbow bridge to go, you're okay. No, that would feel that would be heartbreaking because I'm not okay because right. it was my puppy. Shut right. up. But like if you're upset because the red cup is in the dishwasher and I only have the blue cup, I can say, like, no, oh, it's okay. I know it's disappointing, but we'll get the red cup next time. And I think that's typically how I use it's okay. It's the start of the sentence. You're okay because you're okay. And that is where, the, but I'll tell you one thing. I, I think that it is not only adults who get confused with the It's okay. <laughs> because so this one time, this one time, what had happened was. This is always the great service story. What happened was. What, what okay, happened go. was I went and I don't remember what had happened, but I went to apologize to my kid for something. And when I apologized, she kind of just looked at me, right? She didn't respond. And I said something along the lines of like, if, if you are not ready to forgive me or talk about it, that's fine. And she mm -hmm. said, no, I do forgive you. I just, normally I would say it's okay. But then the other day, uh, Jimmy apologized. Jimmy's my partner. And she said, mm -hmm. Jimmy apologized to me. And I said, it's okay. And he said, no, it's not okay. And now I don't know what to say. <laughs> 
when someone apolo- when someone apologizes, I don't know what to say. And so then I had to like define what he had meant. Like, like, no, he's he's saying, cool, you forgive me, but like what I my behavior wasn't okay. But because these little brains, they do struggle sometimes. I mean, adults, we we struggle sometimes with the nuance of things. And so for her in that moment, and I was like, no, it is okay to say it's okay if you forgive someone. You can also say, I forgive you. Like there are other options, but like it's okay is is okay. <laughs> I'm gonna make it dark here for just a sec. There is this idea that was introduced to me by dumb dads. Uh, they've got a podcast in there. Ah, I love them. Yeah, uh, they're fantastic. But they made a TikTok one time that said you can be a perfect parent. You can never make a mistake and always be who your kids need as they need you. Meet them where they are at every turn. Be the rock and foundation of their life. And someday you will die. And that means the only person who has been there everything, who's done everything right, who's been what they need is gone. So there will still be this moment in their lives that you let them down, which is very dark. It's very morbid. It's very existential. I was not expecting to consider my mortality this morning. But here we are. <laughs> but it means there's literally no way to be a perfect parent. Yeah. You're going to fuck up now or later. And I can promise you it's not because you told your kid they're okay because they stubbed their toe. I don't think in parenting it's about always saying the right thing. And when we see videos like this, it, it feels like now every situation, like, do I have to make sure, do I have to reword that? What if that hits wrong? What if I say the wrong thing? I don't think it's about saying the right thing. I think it's about how we re- how we respond when we realize we said the wrong thing that is it's teaching our kids something when we mess up if we say the wrong thing and they they re- you know we can read the body language that 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 didn't come out right or if they say like what you know like if they're offended and then we reevaluate we take that accountability and we go oh, i'm sorry i didn't i didn't mean for it to come out that way but like the impact was poor and i'm and i'm sorry here's, let me reword this. Let me say it a different way. Let me say something else. And it's in that, that's also teaching our kids that they can do that too, that, that the way we left it doesn't, like we can pick it back up and change it, that we can adjust. And I think that's teaching our kids something too. I, I think the idea of being a perfect parent would actually be more damaging to our kids because they're not going to be perfect people. Right. Right. And, and it's one of those things where we say it all the time. We are not raising good kids we're raising good people. And in that comes the ability to take accountability. In that comes the ability to say, you know what? I handled that in a not not great way. I thought I was doing it right. And it, you have given me the information that says that was not the right way. They first learned that by us doing it. So that means we sort of have to fuck up. And then we have to take the accountability and apologize or make right or, or do whatever steps because there's that that in and of itself, how a parent addresses their own parenting mistakes. It's a nuanced conversation. It is so nuanced. And that's I mean, it's always going to be when it comes down to the, the caveat to if it's OK to say you're OK mm-hmm. is going to be the context in the tone and the tone and the yeah. conversation that follows it, because we're not in those moments. We are teaching them we're not commiserating. There are times where I am going to commiserate with my kids. If we are sitting Mm -hmm. in a doctor's waiting room and our appointment was at three and now it's 4.15 and we're still in the waiting room and my kid's like, oh, I'm so bored. And I'm like, 
Me too. Same, kid. Same. There's I'm moments where I'm totally here to commiserate, and there's moments where I'm totally here to be like, let me help you feel better. So we keep about four to five different snack packages. You get to a point in parenting, you know, you just have to have snacks. And we have a new favorite to keep in the car. And it fits like right in my center console, the box. It's perfect. What is it? Chomps. It had not occurred to me to put chomps in the car yet. (gasps) They're perfect. Grab one out. It's a great pick-me-up after school because of the protein. And chomps taste so good, and they really make healthy snacking easier. Every bite is bursting with bold flavor and comes in a variety of flavors for everyone. With zero sugar, up to 12 grams of protein, and chompable flavors, you can take bigger, bolder, and better bites every time in the car or wherever else you're eating a chomps. Chomsticks come in nine delicious flavors, so make sure you grab a variety pack so that you can taste every flavor. Trust me, that taco flavor, you're not going to want to miss out on that one. That's actually the first one we put in the car. Chomps makes filling your snack cupboard or car even easier because you can order online and have them delivered straight to your door. You will still actually have to put them in your car once they've arrived at your door. You can even subscribe for ongoing savings. And right now, Chomps is offering our listeners 20% off your first order and free shipping when you go to chomps.com slash childproof. Go to chomps.com slash childproof to see all the delicious flavors and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's C-H-O-M-P-S dot com slash childproof. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. So you know that I own a burnt baguette in the shape of a dachshund named Rosalind, right? Yes. I got this dog and when I adopted her, I had to drive two hours one way to pick her up Mm -hmm. and then two hours back the other way to pick her up. Whose dog? is Rosalind. Is it your husband's dog now? Yeah, it's Jax. It's my husband's <laughs> Jax. Do you know what he told me about yesterday? What? ASPCA health insurance for pets. It's not your dog. You just want to make sure she's taken care of. The ASPCA pet health insurance program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you and Jack to help you get your pet the care they might need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Vet bills can really, really add up. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCA petinsurance.com slash childproof. That's ASPCA petinsurance.com slash childproof. Again, that's ASPCA petinsurance.com slash childproof. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. Okay, Tori. Yeah. After all that that was said and done, we we confronted our own mortality. We examined the deep tissue of uh, neurological development of children, uh, our emotional impact of just a simple phrase, it's okay. Let's play a game. (laughs) Let's do it. I'm feeling like partying now. (laughs) I think I'm going to die someday. Oh, my God. What a better time for a game. (laughs) Okay. This game is called okay or not okay. I'm not okay right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to give some scenarios and we're going to discuss whether we would be okay or not okay. Could someone look at us and say, it's okay and us not lose our shit in these moments? All right. Let's do it. The five second rule. 
Do you eat food off the floor or watching your kids pick shit up off the floor and put it in I their mouth? I actually have to try to convince my kids it's okay to eat food. <laughs> <laughs> There's a time and a place, right? Like I'm not eating food off the restaurant floor. I'm not, yeah. not going to encourage my kids to eat food off the floor at the school cafeteria. But like in our own house, if I know that I have cleaned the floor in the last couple days, like just pick it up, dude. You just dropped. It's fine, right? But they they watched this show called Brainchild, and it and it was like, no, the five second rule isn't real because the the germs still get on it. And so every time they come at me and they're like, I can't eat that off the floor. The five second rule isn't real. I'm like, when's the last time you washed your hands? Were you just crawling on the floor pretending to be a cat, and now you're eating food? Guess what? It's still the five second rule. You can eat. You can eat it off the floor, but no eating food off the floor if it is a moist food. Like if I drop a banana on the floor, I'm not eating it. But if it's a dry food, yeah, I'll pick it up. I don't care. I'll eat the chicken nugget. Uh, my my rule is uh, visible detritus. If I can brush it off, we're still good. No, if I pick it up and something on the floor came with it, we're not we're not I, eating it. It depends on the food. Like again, if it's chicken nuggets, I'm gonna eat it. <laughs> You know, uh, vis- visible detritus. If it's picked up some, well, and here's, here's the other difference though, is I have dogs that free roam. Your pets live in very confined yeah. spaces. And I share my food with them. So <laughs> I'm okay with the five second rule unless there's visible detritus. It's, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's okay. And, and also the, the moist food that's all, almost always yeah. going to pick something up. Right. That's yeah. That's never okay. That's yeah. Yeah. Wet foods we no. don't eat off the floor. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got one for you. Okay. Same same food realm. Mm-hmm. Crumbs on the counter or floor, just like hanging out, like like someone got crummy and they left it. Um, I would be annoyed, but I'm okay with counter crumbs. Yeah, I, I will probably get on to someone because nine out of ten times I can identify the crumbs, uh-huh. and that means I can identify who made the crumbs. Right, right. I'll probably say something to that human. Hey, uh, next time you get a Pop-Tart out, just sweep those crumbs right off into right. the trash can. Yeah. It's right there. Floor crumbs, however, if you want to see me lose my shit in the morning, <laughs> let me find a floor crumb. See, okay, so I'm with you on the counter crumbs because, like, I can identify that those are there. Specifically, let me find a floor crumb with my foot. That's what I mean. Because if I see the, <laughs> the crumbs on the counter, it's like, okay, I can clean that up quick. But if I walk into the kitchen and now I have gunk <laughs> on my feet, <laughs> or like if it's like if it's like Nest Quick powder and it's like grainy <gasps> and you're like, uh, And then it starts to get sticky on just your... <laughs> under my kitchen table, I have to... Like, I we, we take turns sweeping it multiple times a day because I actually don't think my children eat. <laughs> I... I have been feeding them for well over a decade now, but I don't think they eat it. I give them the food and they put it near their mouth and they just crumble it. Like even if it's a wet food, somehow there's crumbs. Banana crumbs. My children are capable of banana crumbs. So they're just crumbling it and it's falling under the table and now there's all these crumbs and I'm like, how how are you sustaining life when the entirety of your dinner is now crumbed on the floor? I hate that. I hate because then you got to move the table to sweep it and stuff like mm. Not my See, favorite. I would kill for children who would make crumbs on the floor. My children managed to wear even dry foods in their hair. Oh, that's that's where they put the food they don't eat in their hair. Not okay with crumbs. No, no. no. Okay, <laughs> noisy fidgets. Here, let me give you an example. Stop it. <laughs> that's my clicker cube. I have a level of tolerance for noisy fidgets that's about thirty seconds. <laughs> Unless I'm doing it. 
Uh, in that yeah. case, it's fine. <laughs> double standard. Uh, yeah, it's a double standard. But if someone is just clicking the pen next to me, I'm like, stop, stop it. I'm going to hear it in my sleep. <laughs> I, uh, it's six of one, half a dozen of another. The noisy fidgets that bug me really bug me. Mm-hmm. The noisy fidgets that don't, I have absolutely no. The the zip tubes cannot stand those. Yeah, nails on chalkboard can't yeah. handle them. The poppers though. They're fine. They, they do make a noise. I don't like poppers. They're just not a fun I don't understand for you. For the second time in an episode, we cannot be friends. I there's better fidgets out there. <laughs> Speaking of. Huh. Fidgets. Okay, yeah. not okay. How do you feel about slime? As a parent. <sighs> I was going to say, as a neurodivergent, love slime. Watch all the slime videos. Uh, have to routinely convince myself not to buy the slime. Yeah. As a parent... There, there is a precious few number of slimes that are acceptable for the most part. They can burn in whatever slimy gooey <laughs> hell they were created in. I like cloud slime to play with myself and for my kids to use, but those slimes that are gooey, and I'm like, that's going to end up in very long hair. There's no way this doesn't end up in someone's hair. Or carpet. Yeah. I have carpet. Mm. Now, I don't, I'm not big on slime. That, mm-mm. Can we go back to Silly Putty? That one feels safer. See, I do like Aaron's Thinking Putty. I don't like that one. It's too tough. Maybe the internet's right. Maybe, maybe I do hate you. (laughs) I don't hate you. The internet desperately needs us to hate each other. This is not really a fidget, but it can be used as a fidget. Bubble wrap, okay or not okay? The bubble wrap is okay until someone leaves it popped on the middle of the floor and I have to pick it up and be really annoyed. <laughs> then I don't like it. The one I don't like is the big bubble thingies that come in like boxes, like the the the, the unpopable or the the airbag things. The airbag things, and I don't love those because if someone just like decides to stomp it without giving me warning. Uh, like I am so hypervigilant, like that fight or flight is kicking in. Like who popped a bubble? I don't love it, but traditional bubble wrap, traditional bubble wrap. We're cool with that. Just throw it in the trash yourself. Okay. I'm, I'm okay with bubble wrap. It's, it's perfectly okay. There, there's not a part of bubble wrap that annoys me. How do you feel about the shoe fight with children? Not okay. Yeah. Not okay. Not okay. It's always, it's always the damn shoes. It's always the Where shoes. Where are they? Why won't you put them on? It doesn't go on that foot. Why is one of your shoes in the car? Yeah. The, those are not the same shoe. And honestly, I don't care if you pick two different Crocs, but you've got one heeled boot and one worn down Croc, and you're going to be walking around like a pirate all day. No. Yeah. yeah. Just just put the shoe. You're not going to care just, what the shoes look like when you're out. The other thing with the shoe fight is I cannot convince my children to take their shoes off outside the door and dump all the playground sound out of it. They won't do it. And so what happens is they take them off, they put them in, sand still intact. And then, and then when they go to sit down, that's when they dramatically dump it <laughs> on their beds. So their beds are Where now else sandy. Did you put the sand? It's like a, because they dumped it out of the shoe. Time you get to play in the sandbox now. We're going to have our own <laughs> sandbox. I'm not going to have to buy any yeah. sand. Um, it's just going to be in their mattresses. It's Love disgusting. <laughs> And no, I hate the yeah. shoe fight. No, the shoe fight for me is my my middleist really hates shoes, which is okay in a lot of contexts. Um, but yeah. she does this thing. She likes to go play in the yard barefoot. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like having wet feet and it is dewy <laughs> in the morning. And she loves to start her day by taking laps around the yard. So she'll do that barefoot and then she'll come in and like 
really mad like mom i got all this stuff on my feet and i'm like there's a mat by the door you just wipe your feet on the mat that's why i put the mat there no yeah. oh, but it's in my toilet you could put the, your shoes on before you go outside no okay if you're gonna reject the solution all right like you get to be mad about it um yeah that's fine I, it's okay that you're not okay with that even though you know how to prevent it, it that's right. a choice you're making you are aware yeah. that there are other options but again the mat by the door you can go wipe your feet there and get the grass mm-hmm. off your off yeah. your toes. It's or you can just put the shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> you, can just, you just put the shoes on. Uh, okay. Here's one. Uh, and this, this one's a twofold. We are both glasses wearers. Yes. And we both have children mm-hmm. that wear glasses. Dirty glasses. Can't stand them. You can't? For you can't, or for I your kids? For either. <laughs> I, I need my glasses clean. I compulsively clean my glasses because it, I just, I, I can't focus on anything else if it's smudgy. Then the smudge. And when my kid, because it's my youngest wears glasses, right? So she hasn't really figured out how to clean her own glasses. But she also, when she goes to put her glasses on, uses her whole palms to push them up on her face. <laughs> so it's like, I don't actually think these are helping you see, buddy. I don't, I don't think you can see better now. I think it might be worse. Like, and I just, I'll just clean her glasses too. Like, no. See, I'm I'm okay with dirty glasses. In fact, it is such a and and this sounds disgusting to confess, but it's such a thing that I will periodically have to ask, is it foggy or hazy out or are my glasses just dirty? <laughs> I've done that too. You're like driving down the road and you're like kind of flipping your glasses up and on on your face. Like, are is they it, dirty or is it is my it windshield? Hazy or is it, what yeah. is dirty here? <laughs> what thing so, do I need to clean? Did the the, like, because you're living pretty close to the wildfire affected area. Yeah, we had to stay so, inside last week because of it. Is it is it smoky or do I just need to clean my glasses? I'm yeah. okay with with to to a certain extent. Obviously, there there does come a point where I'm like, no, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> but like, some say, I have such a problem with my glasses being dirty. But if you saw my phone screen, you would be absolutely disgusted. <laughs> like it's crusty. <laughs> And I'm like, as long as I can still swipe, I don't care that there's like these weird hard bits on it. I don't know what that is. Uh, (laughs) What what I don't know can't hurt me, maybe. You know, Gwena, I am getting hungry. I'm always hungry. I have to squeeze in a meal time before I go get my kids. I'm so excited. Do you know what I have? Is it a hungry root? Do you have a hungry root for you? I have a hungry root ready to eat chicken tikka masala. And it's so good. I am now jealous because I did not know that Hungry Root had chicken tikka masala in one of their ready meals. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door, and you have full control of what they send you. You take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know you, your goals, and how you like to eat. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. The best selection of good for your body good for your brain snacks. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your tastes. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks and sweets, and much more. And right now, Hungry Root is offering childproof listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash childproof to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash childproof. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Did you know that kids eat 1,095 meals every year? The best part is that we parents have the grand honor of making sure they're fed 
each and every one. Honestly, the responsibility kind of sucks sometimes, but we're here with some real help and camaraderie too. We're Stacy and Megan, hosts of Didn't I Just Feed You, a weekly podcast that gets real about what it takes to feed our families. We're two longtime food professionals who between us have worked on five cookbooks, two television shows, countless stories for publications like Better Homes and Gardens and thekitchen.com. Despite all of this work experience, at the end of the day, we too are just two working parents who also get tired making meals happen at home. Tune in to Didn't I Just Feed You for kitchen tricks, product recommendations, and tons of meal ideas, like how to turn nachos into a legit family dinner. Get inspired by our bi-weekly What We're Cooking and Eating Now series, or check out how to get your cooking mojo back for even more ideas. What's next? We got, how about this? You mm-hmm. walk into the bathroom uh-huh. and the toilet has not been flushed. Uh, I'm, I'm not, can I pick neither? Is there, is there a middle ground? Yeah, so, you okay, can, you can find okay? a gray area. Tell me about it. Okay. There's a, there's a gray area there because on one hand, I'm not okay that that didn't get done uh, because it's kind of gross and it's, it's not that hard. Uh, yeah. Everybody in the house is now fully capable of the thought process and the fine motor skills it requires to flush the damn toilet. <laughs> we're, we're not lacking in those skills yeah. at all anymore in no way, shape, or form. Uh, we have proof of concept for years now that everyone is capable of flushing a toilet. So I'm not okay in that I'm really annoyed, but yeah. I'm also okay just doing it. If it's a now and then thing, I'm fine with it because like everyone's going to forget a thing they're used to doing sometimes that's fine if it's like a regular mm-hmm. thing that's where i'm like we have hard water it is already so tricky to get these <laughs> toilets to look clean but i have one caveat to this rule i do not mind if the toilet doesn't get flushed overnight because it seems so much louder in the middle of the night it does, <laughs> it does and i get it so like if you're if you have flushed in the middle of the night I get it because it's not going to wake anyone up, but it feels like it feels so loud in that moment. Like just, just get to it in the morning. So long as you get to it in the morning, I'm fine. In the ultimate parenting podcast move, this is our rule for toilet flushing at night. <laughs> we we go for the water conservation one. If it's brown, flush it down. If it's yellow, let it mellow. That's <laughs> that's what you do at night. Yeah, because we we don't we don't uh, want that hanging out there overnight. But right. like right during the day, like you know what you're doing. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, last one, I think. Tiny crafts. And when I say tiny crafts, I mean pony beads and perler beads and diamond painting. Okay. Do you let your kids? Are you okay or not okay? No, when it comes to beads and all of the little tiny things, it's a gray area for me because mm-hmm. what I like about it is that it is something that my kids and I get to do together. Yeah. Like my kid just got tech decks and we get to build them and stuff. Mm-hmm. The thing that I don't like about them is that I have to be present for it. So it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing where it's, it's compelled together time. And, and I, and like I love the together time. But the problem yeah. comes in where like if I am cooking dinner or cleaning or whatever, and then my kid is like, I want to play with the beads right now. And I'm like, I cannot do that right now. Mm-hmm. And but the other part of it, too, is that I hate when you get like, one of the bracelet kit things or like, you, yeah. you know, like any of those things, they come mm-hmm. in the tiny ones and they come in these big boxes with all this plastic and you could see like the hundreds of beads laid out. Just put it in a bucket. Just sell me the bucket. Yeah. Don't make me find my own bucket. <laughs> all kids toys should come with a bucket, right. like an optional bucket. Just just put on the package, like 
bucket not included? Like, where am I supposed to put all these beads? Because where am I? Yeah. I cannot store this giant plastic thing filled with the beads, and they're not going to stay yeah. in there once I open it. I have to have a yeah. bucket. And I don't. They always give you those little wells that just barely fit the beads. They right. give you. You're like, thanks. Right. And it's like we're going to make a couple bracelets, and then we're just going to abandon this hobby. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna we're gonna get one maybe two good sessions of hanging out with this tiny little craft that is going to hurt my fingers by the end of it Uh and someone's going to get frustrated and so I'm okay with it until I'm not anymore it's like Monopoly so (laughs) unpopular opinion this this is one of those places that I'm betting we diverge but tiny crafts to me often end up feeling after the first time now the first time I'm gung-ho because I probably just got it we just received it as a gift I just picked it up at the store whatever first time gung-ho all for it Uh, the second time it feels to me, it's the same feeling I got in high school when I was an avid reader. I read all the time, all the books. There was no genre off the table. There was no topic I wouldn't read about. I read Mm -hmm. all the things until my literature teacher said, you have to read this book. No, no, I'm not going to do it now. I don't want to do it now. I'm not going to do it. But the second, third, fourth time, it feels like compelled together time to me. Yeah. It's same energy as being told you have to read the book right. that I would have otherwise read if you hadn't told me well, I had and to. Here's one of the ways I mitigate that, though, is that like when we have those moments where we're like, yeah, we're going to do this tiny craft. We're going to do whatever. I wait for the moment it turns into Monopoly, right? Because, you know, when you play <laughs> Monopoly, the game is not over because someone won. The game is over because every, we're about to throw this thing out out yeah. the window and yeah, I yeah. think that also happens with tiny crafts because even a kid who's like really into it right now my oldest kid mm-hmm. she could do these things by herself we choose yeah. to do them together because we want to do things together but when we're talking about little ones and beating things and doing all these like really fine motor activities that they're still developing those skills it is mm-hmm. going to get to a point of frustration and yeah. there's part like sometimes it's like well I want to teach my kid that we should finish what we started we're so close to being done let's just finish and other times I'm like we can be done it doesn't matter if the bracelet's done. We can finish it at a different time or start a new one. Uh, we already we got practice in today for how to do it. So we could just be done with the craft that is not done. That's okay. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but that was our timer. It was. It sure was. So... We do still need to hear from you. We'll be doing an Ask Us Anything episode very, very, very soon. I know I've been promising that on outros for a few weeks now, but I promise it's coming coming up. It's coming. We're also collecting mom fails. We're also collecting a whole bunch of other things. Email. We just want to hear from you. Yeah, just email us. Email us at childproof at betches.com and you could be featured on Childproof. And we are also all over social media. I am at Tori Phantom. She is at Mama Cusses. And of course, you should be following at Betches Moms on Instagram too. And so you don't miss an episode, be sure to subscribe to Childproof on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a rating on Apple and Spotify. And remember, sometimes our kids are assholes. And sometimes it's us. And you're okay. It's okay. Childproof is produced by Rebecca Salzmacat and Sean Kilby. Editing by Basilio Perez. Social media by Lauren Salome. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow us at at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your email to moms at Betches.com. Betches.